is sitting. So the, I figured as a topic, we'll talk a little bit about Shabbos, but more particularly, we've previously spoken, had other classes about Shabbos, also known as Shabbat. Shabbos and Shabbat are just different pronunciations. Right, the Hebrew, the um, Sephardic pronunciation is Shabbat, Ashkenazic is Shabbos. Um, so <laughs> we spoke about the prohib- prohibitions on Shabbos previously, the 39 prohibitions the Torah says that we're not allowed to do on Shabbos. Um, we're going to have a class coming up in a couple weeks about electricity on Shabbos, which is um, very relevant to us today, since much of our lives are um, run around different electrical gadgets. Um, and, but today we're going to focus on the Kiddush and Havdalah of Shabbos. So Shabbos itself is, we could say, the central command in Judaism. It is the only ritual found in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, the other ones are about belief in God or how we treat God and uh, how we treat others. The only, one, the only ritual in the Ten Commandments is keeping Shabbos. And, um, our, um, and Shabbos is in many ways considered the most important of all of the Jewish commandments, uh, of all the commandments of the Torah. And so... The Torah tells us, this is actually going to be in next week's reading, in the Ten Commandments, the Torah tells us, Zohar es Yom HaShabbos. Remember the day of Shabbos. We're supposed to remember it, or mention the day of Shabbos. How do we mention the day of Shabbos? So it's not only don't do work on Shabbos, we must mention it. How do we mention it? So we mention it by making a special declaration that today is Shabbos. At the very beginning of Shabbos, we're supposed to make a declaration marking the opening of Shabbos. We are now beginning our moments, our day of Shabbos rest now begins at this, from, at this moment. And then at the end of Shabbos, we have to make a declaration. We are now ending Shabbos. Shabbos now ends. So we should mark, verbally mark, the beginning and the end of Shabbos. So, um, with time, it's not clear how this began, what originally people would do. Um, the concept of blessings generally came somewhat later after Moses. Um, but today, we mention both with a blessing, with a bracha, Baruch Hashem. And the blessing marking the beginning of Shabbos is called Kiddush. Um, Kiddush, we mark that Shabbos is beginning. Havdalah is the blessing at the end of Shabbos, saying Shabbos is ending. The word Kiddush means holy, or declaring holy, Kadesh to make holy. So Kiddush means we declare this moment as a holy moment. We're declaring this day as a holy day, and it is a blessing, thanking God for separating this day and making it a holy day. The word Havdalah means... Separation. Havdalah means to separate. We separate this day from um, the next day coming. And we now say our Shabbos is now ending. We're moving on back to the regular day, back to a regular work week. So that's what Kiddush and Havdalah actually mean. Kiddush means the declaration of the holiness of Shabbos at the beginning of Shabbos. Um, from the word Kiddush, to declare it holy. And Havdalah means the separation, to separate or declare the end of Shabbos when Shabbos ends. Now, every important declaration or every important ceremony in Judaism, we, are, we add prestige to it, and this is a rabbinic 
edition. We're not sure exactly when it began, but most rabbinic editions are more than two and a half thousand years old. So we add prestige to it by doing it over a glass of wine, or not glass, actually, a cup of wine. We do it over, traditionally, Jews have always used silver cups um, because silver is expensive, fancy, and we want to make our mitzvahs very fancy. So, um, so we, but we, we declare the holiness of Shabbos and declare the end of Shabbos using a cup of wine, similar to the blessings that we make over uh, a wedding or over a bris, or last week we mentioned over the Pidyon Haben, the redemption of the firstborn. So for every important Jewish ceremony, we always use a cup of wine. Here too, for this declaration, we make it over a cup of wine. Why wine? So the simple reason is that wine is the most prestigious drink. You want to add prestige to it. You want to say it with a very prestigious drink. Wine today remains the most prestigious drink. Um, it has, it's one of the few things that haven't changed. Um, gold was once the most precious metal. It no longer is. One of the few things that haven't changed over all those years, all the year throughout history is wine remains the world's most prestigious drink. So, <coughs> what to do if you don't have wine or you don't drink wine, I'm going to get to very soon. So, Kiddush and Havdalah then are a special ceremony to make Shabbos distinct and holy from the rest of the week. Who should make Kiddush? Everybody should make Kiddush. All Jews should make Kiddush at least. Um, it includes both men and women, while there are some commandments that women are not required to do, a handful of ritual commandments, but definitely everyone, both men and women, have to make Kiddush, as well as um, Havdalah. Now, not everyone has to recite the Kiddush themselves. While everyone has to have here Kiddush being recited, since Kiddush is a declaration... For all verbal mitzvot, or all audio, all verbal mitzvot that must be recited or must be said, all verbal commandments that must be said, it is, one does not have to say it themselves. We have a rule in Jewish law that shomea ka'one, if you hear it, it's good enough. If you hear somebody else saying it, that counts as well. So for Kiddush, you don't need everyone to make this declaration. Rather, one person can stand up with a cup of wine and make the declaration, the declaring Shabbos holy, or make this blessing um, that thanks God for giving us the holiness of Shabbos. And then everybody else just answer Amen, hear it, answer Amen, and that's it. No, you don't need every individual to do it. And so that's indeed what Jews have done historically, where one person stands up and makes Kiddush for everyone. In some communities, there is a custom that the head of each family makes Kiddush. So if you have multiple families at a table together, um, each, the head of each family would make Kiddush for their family. Uh, but that customs vary, but really only one person needs to make this declaration for everybody needs to make this Kiddush, recite this Kiddush blessing for everyone. The one exception, though, to this is on Passover. On Passover at our Seder, in addition to making the Kiddush declaration, everybody has to drink four cups of wine. Now, unlike declarations that you could hear someone else make it and it counts the same, drinking wine 
You can't have somebody else drink wine for you. You haven't drunk in the wine. So everybody needs to drink four <laughs> cups of wine themselves. And so therefore, everybody has their um, um, Kiddush cup for the Seder, and everybody drinks that, glass, that cup of wine. So, um, yes. I'm going to get to that. Yes. Sorry? What do you do if you don't drink wine or you don't have wine? I'm going to get to that as well. But let's first talk about when we do it. When do we make Kiddush? So, the Kiddush has to be at the beginning of Shabbos. At the very beginning when Shabbos begins, we declare Shabbos holy. We make this declaration. Generally, it should be done after our evening service, after our evening prayer. So we know we Jews pray three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. On Shabbos, Shabbos, of course, begins at sundown on Friday. And so we, after it gets dark, we recite our evening service. And after that, we will then make um, the Kiddush. When do we recite our evening service? So generally one has to wait until three stars are visible, which um, we, um, for our, you don't have to actually go outside and see stars, um, especially today because of all of our outside lights. It's very hard to see stars. If you ever go out to a place where there are no lights, you'll see there's a lot more stars visible in the sky, so we cannot really see stars. But we have uh, a pretty good idea of when that is. It's when the sun goes six degrees below the horizon. That's when we pray the evening prayer. Following the evening prayer, we go home and we make this, we do this Kiddush blessing um, as soon as we can at the beginning of Shabbos. Now, we yes. do that before you light the candles? Or? No, so we light the candles 18 minutes before sundown. Shabbos begins at sundown, whenever sundown is. Um, now, as you may know, and this is a topic for the, a class of its own, the Shabbos candles. Do we ever do Shabbos candles? I don't think so. But that's a very important topic, Shabbos candles. Well, we'll do a topic. We'll do a separate topic, Shabbos candles. Um, so we do light 18 minutes before sunset. Sunset in Judaism is not the same as the sunset you see on the um, the sunset you'll see when you Google when sunset is. Um, we measure sunset a little bit differently. I'm not going to get into the details now, but uh, we have a little. It's a little bit different. It could be a couple minutes off from what you see if you Google it or what you'll see on a non-Jewish calendar. So, um, so our 80 minutes is 80 minutes before our sunset. Is that to account for getting, going, what was that, six degrees below? The no. Horizon? We light the candles 80 minutes before sundown, sunset. Then we wait until the sun is six degrees below the horizon, and then we do the evening prayer. And therefore, so it's the time that you call sundown. No. Sundown is when the sun sets. It's a few minutes off from what is scientifically called sunset. Um, so it's not exactly the scientific sunset. Uh, we calculate it a little bit differently. Um, it's a little complicated how sunset gets calculated. Um, and so that, that's for the topic for a different time. And um, so we, Shabbos starts at sunset. We light the candles 18 minutes before. Ideally, you should begin Shabbos when you light the candles 18 minutes before sunset. And um, then we wait before we pray the evening prayer until the sun goes down six degrees below the horizon. Yes, which is about a half hour after sunset for those who don't have, um, you know, for those who are non, non-astronomers. When do you know when it gets 
get darker sooner. Like like sunset is like six o'clock, but it's still light out. But now it's five o'clock and it gets dark. <laughs> so you have to light candles eighteen minutes before sunset. So last week, last Friday, candle lighting was four forty six. Sunset would have been eighteen minutes later at five oh four. You get to eat dinner faster, right? <laughs> so, um, so after we do our evening service, that is when we go home and we make kiddush. Now, we can also begin Shabbos earlier. We light candles generally 18 minutes before sundown, but this is also important to know for candle lighting. You're allowed to light candles up to a period, starting from a period and make the Kiddush and start Shabbos, from a period known as Plag HaMincha. Plag HaMincha varies over the year, and it's a complicated calculation as how to get there. It's between an hour and an hour and a half before sunset. Um, exactly, it's when the sun is 18.75 degrees from the western horizon. So... Um, at that point, it's about an hour, an hour and a half before sunset. You are allowed to light candles early, up to an hour, an hour, hour and a half before sunset. And you can make Kiddush then, right then, that early, if you wish. There is a view in the Talmud that one can even pray the evening, evening service that early. One doesn't have to wait till the sun is six degrees below the horizon. But one can even pray an hour to an hour and a half before sunset. One can pray the evening service. So therefore... In Europe, um, when we lived especially in northeastern Europe, where the, it got dark very, very late in the summer, um, and sunset wasn't sometimes till 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, um, we would often do the light candles early, do the evening service early, and make Kiddush early. That's widely done here in the United States. We do this here in our community as well, where in the summer we'll call our evening services for 6.30. 6.30, it's already... Um, today, the, uh, the latest sunset here is about 7.40 or 7.50 um, is the latest sunset um, here in the U.S. Uh, it's here in Los Angeles. Uh, maybe it's a little later. Sorry, I take that back. Um, the latest, a little bit after 8, is the latest sunset here in Los Angeles. Sorry? 7.50 is the candle line, but the sunset's a little bit later. No, so you can light the candles about an hour and a half before that. So you could light the candles already at about, um, at about 6.45. You could already light the candles. So we will do the evening prayer early, and then you could do Kiddush earlier. So like in Michigan in the summer. Same thing. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing, where if sunset's late, you can up to an hour. It varies the exact time, but it's about an hour and a half in the summer before sunset. Um, you can already light the candles and make the kiddush if you don't want to keep your kids up that late. Um, so regardless, we try to make kiddush at the beginning of, Sh- of Shabbos because we're declaring Shabbos holy. And we, of course, make the kiddush um, bef- at the beginning of our Shabbos dinner. So first we have kiddush and then we make the dinner. And in fact, the Jewish law says that from when we light the candles or from when the, the sunset begins, we should not eat until we make the kiddush in order that we shouldn't forget, we should have a special kind of start our meal with our Kiddush. So first make Kiddush and then start the meal. What happens if you happen to be in the middle of a long party and um, you happen to be in the middle of a long party and it's time for, and it's Friday afternoon and the sun sets, what do you do then? 
Um, and this could happen. There's even times in Judaism, um, such as when a festival like Purim is on Friday and Purim afternoon, we always make a big party. Uh, what happens if you're in the middle of a party when the sun sets? Then you have to stop your party, cover the challah, because we always cover the challah when we make Kiddush, and make the Kiddush. So, um, so that's when Kiddush is made. Um, now, in addition to the Friday night Kiddush, there is also another Kiddush that we do on Shabbos morning after our morning services. So we have morning services on Shabbos morning, and after, like we, pray, we said earlier, we pray morning, afternoon, and evening. And so after our morning services on Shabbos morning, before we eat our late breakfast or lunch, we, because um, it's a long service, we um, make Kiddush as well. Here there's no special declaration. We simply read some of the verses. Um, we simply read some of the verses from the Torah about um, Shabbos and we just say Hagafen. Um, and, but we do have this um, tradition to make Kiddush again Shabbos morning. Then Havdalah is made only after Shabbos ends. Shabbos ends after it is dark, not where you just see three stars, but where you could see three smaller stars. And so that's generally when the sun goes eight and a half degrees below the horizon. It's about 40 minutes on average after sunset. So if one forgot to make Havdalah or in those places where the sun sets very late and you don't want to wake, stay up that late, you can make Havdalah on Sunday morning if you haven't said the prayer yet. And um, you can even continue it up to Tuesday if you haven't yet said Havdalah. You can still, still say Havdalah. So what do we do for Kiddush? How is the Kiddush? So that's just um, when to say it. But what do we do? How is the Kiddush made? So we begin Kiddush before, again, Kiddush is done before our Shabbos meal. Before we have our Shabbos meal on Friday night, we first have Kiddush. Before the Kiddush, the first thing that we do is we have a tradition, um, and this is an old tradition, to recite um, a, or to sing a song called Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem means greetings in Hebrew or in Yiddish as well. Um, Shalom Aleichem means greetings. And we are actually greeting, the, it, uh, it continues, Malachi Hasharei, angels. We greet the angels. And this is based on the Talmud. The Talmud tells us that every single week um, on Friday night, when Shabbos begins, two angels come to our home, a good angel and a bad angel. And if the angels see that the, um, that the home is all ready for Shabbos and all set and everything is serene and perfect and candles lit, um, then the good angel blesses us that we should, have, we should get to celebrate Shabbos every week like this. And the bad angel says, Amen. If um, our house is not ready for Shabbos or there is discord, um, or we are not properly prepared, then the bad angel says it should be like this every week, and the good angel is forced to say Amen. So, because we have angels that come to visit us every single week from, uh, for Shabbos, uh, for, on Friday night, we have a special prayer where we say Shalom Aleichem, where we welcome the angels, Malachi um, Asharei, angels of service, Malachi Elyon, supernal angels, for that come from the Holy Melech sent by the whole King of Kings, the Holy One, blessed be He. And then we have, we sing that three times, and then we have another line where we say, Boachem Shalom, come in peace. And then a third line where we say, Baruchuni Shalom, bless me in peace. 
and then we say tzedchem l'shalom, which means go in peace. We say goodbye um, because they leave before we begin our meal. This yes. is from the Torah, the angels? Where it's from they? the Talmud, the Talmud tells us this about the angels, yes. Now what angels actually are is a subject for a different class. I think we did a class here, we had a class, uh, we had a class already about angels, but maybe it's a subject to do it that we have to yeah, cover again. Okay, so after the Shalom Aleichem, we then say, read um, a chapter from the book of Mishlei, the book of Proverbs, called Eshet Chayel, A Woman of Valor. And it's a poem written by King Solomon, book of prose written by King Solomon, about Eshet Chayel, a woman of valor. And it's written to praise um, the woman of valor. The ultimate woman um, is praised by King Solomon. Um, he, and he says kind of all these wonderful things about her. Um, this We started saying this about 450 years ago. This was instituted by the Arizal. Um, I believe we did a class a couple months ago about the Arizal. The Arizal was the greatest um, Jewish Kabbalist, perhaps of all times. He lived in the 16th century in Sephard in northern Israel. And um, he taught us many of the greatest teachings of Kabbalah. And many of, the, um, many of the customs that he instituted have become universally practiced across all Jewish communities around the world. And one of them is the recital of the Eshet Chayel. And the reason why he instituted that we should, the reason why <coughs> we say Eshet Chayel is, according to um, Kabbalah, the um, Shabbat itself is called Shabbat Hamalka, the Shabbat Queen. Um, and according to Kabbalah, um, and we actually have a special prayer also um, written by a colleague of, a song written by a colleague of the Arizal called L'Chadodi, that many of you may be familiar with, um, that um, says, L'chadodi, come my beloved, likrat kala, toward the bride. And the bride over here refers to Shabbat Hamalka, the Shabbat queen. So Shabbat is a queen. According to Kabbalah, very briefly, the, um, there are masculine godly forces and feminine godly forces. Um, and so the Shekhinah, the divine presence, is a feminine force as God is found within this world. And um, the, on Shabbat, we get a revel- the entire, um, everything, the entire earth um, rises to a greater spiritual plane. And God's Shekhinah, God's presence is felt down here, is felt in this world. We could feel the presence. And so that is called the Malka, that is called the queen. And so for that queen, um, that is, the Ari explains, that is what the Eshet Chayel is written for. Um, and uh, it's written for that queen, and so therefore the um, we should read the Eshet Chayel in honor of the Shabbat queen on um, Friday nights. So therefore we read the Eshet Chayel um, on Friday nights. Um, about 50 years ago, there was a, um, a fellow composed a tune to Eshet Chayel, haunting tune that's widely used, and many people sing it using that tune. Um, there's also also a custom after the Eshet Chayel to say to read um, the Arizal said to read chapter 23 in Psalms, which is the chapter God is my shepherd, Hashem roi lo I lack nothing, and so we read that also before the um, Kiddush. Okay, so then we begin with the Kiddush. Now the Kiddush, as we said, is generally done over a cup of wine. Uh, is done over a cup of wine. Um, the cup could be made of anything. Um, any cup will do. Um, though Jews, is, oh, we've always tried to beautify our mitzvahs. 
Whenever every mitzvah that we have, we try to do it in the most beautiful way we can. That's why the Torah, we put silver crowns on the Torah. Um, we, we, uh, women light candles before Shabbat. Um, many light with silver candlesticks. Um, and so we try to make everything as nice as possible in all our mitzvahs as nice as possible, as fancy as possible. So um, Jews historically have always used silver um, cups, silver kiddush cups um, to make kiddush, um, to make this declaration. Um, and we have to, the cup has to hold at least three and a half ounces of wine, which is the amount of a riviata quarter loaf, which is the amount, minimum amount for any time we use a cup in Judaism, it has to be um, three and a half ounces. So we fill up this cup. And um, now when we fill the cup, and this is every time we fill a cup in Judaism, we always fill it over the top. So it overflows. And the reason for this is we do this by the Seder, we do this by uh, bris. Every time we fill up a cup, we fill it up so it overflows. The reason is um, because it's called a kos shabracha, a cup of blessing. It's a cup of blessing. Um, there, uh, uh, in scripture it says, Kos Yeshuot Esa, I raise the cup of salvation. It's a cup of blessing, cup of salvation. And so we want, in Isaiah it says, Varikoti Lachem Bracha Adlidai. I will pour you blessings to no end. So we want that our blessings continue flowing and overflow. We want the ideal is that you have so much blessing, says the Talmud, that you say, enough, I have more than more blessings than I need. So we want our blessings to always overflow. And because of that, we always, whenever we have a kosher bracha, a cup of blessing, we always overflow it. Uh, we always pour it over the top. So it goes over the top. And for that reason, most Kiddush cups, most of the silver Kiddush cups you'll buy in the store come with a plate, a silver plate that goes underneath. It's, a, um, uh, it's for the overflow um, because you're going to... Because you're going to... Um, because you're going to pour it over, you don't want it to spill on your beautiful white tablecloth. So um, on your beautiful tablecloth and ruin it. So we have a cup under a plate underneath to catch the overflow. Um, so then we raise our cup and we all stand when declaring the holiness of Shabbos in honor of the Kiddush because it's a special ceremony. We all everyone stands up for the Kiddush um, on Friday night. We're going to do the same for Havdal. Everyone stands up and we recite the Kiddush. Now the Kiddush, as we said, has. Uh, the Kiddush, the, we, first we recite the paragraph from the Torah, which describes how God rested on the seventh day. At the very beginning of the Torah in Genesis, in Bereshit, it tells us how God created the world in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. So it begins, The earth was completed, and God rested on the seventh day from everything that he had made. So we begin by describing how God had rested on the seventh day, which is what we are celebrating, of course, on Shabbat. Shabbat celebrates how God had created the world in six days, and then rested on the seventh day. Now, the, the, um, this paragraph in the Torah that tells how God rests on the seventh day begins with the words in Hebrew, Vayichulu hashamayim va'aretz, the heavens and earth had finished. Now, there is an old Jewish custom to actually read the last two words of the previous paragraph. 
The previous paragraph in the Torah, as it describes creation, the beginning of Genesis, every, at the end of each day, it tells what God created each day. And then it tells us, it was evening, it was morning, day one. Then it tells what God created on day two. It says it was evening, it was morning, day two. What God created on day three, and so on. Until on day six, it tells us it was evening, it was morning, it was evening, it was morning, day six. So the last two words of the previous paragraph before it tells us that God rest completed his work and rested on the seventh day the last two words of the previous paragraph is Yom Hashishi day six it was evening it was morning day six so we have a custom to actually add those last two words Yom Hashishi day six before we begin the next paragraph why do we do that why do we do that so one of the, in Judaism, we have a number of what we call significant remazim, hints, or things that are not explicit, but imply, um, have different implications. Sometimes remazim can be to have to do with letters or even number values of words. But one of the things that we use is called Rashi Tevot, the first letter of each word. And we see great significance in um, Using words where the first letter of each word makes up a makes means has some sort of meaning. So now the first two words of the paragraph that speaks about God resting on the seventh day is Vayechulu Hashamay. The heavens were completed and the, the heavens and earth were completed and everything in them and God rested. So the first two words of Vayechulu Hashamay literally the heavens were completed. The last two words of the previous paragraph are. Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. Now, the four words, Yom Hashishi, Vayechulu Hashamayim, Yom starts with a Yud, Hashishi the, uh, starts with a Hey, Vayechulu starts with a Vav, and Hashamayim starts with a Hey. Together that is Yud, Hey, Vav, and Hey, which is the name of God that we're not allowed to pronounce. We never pronounce it. Um, it's found in the Torah. We don't even when we pray, we never pronounce this name of God, but it's God's main name. And so therefore we begin by the Kiddush, but with four words that the first letter of each word makes up God's name. And so we're invoking God at the very beginning of our Kiddush. So that's why we begin with the words Yom Hashish. So we recite this. So first we begin by reciting this first, um, this paragraph describing how God completed the heavens and earth and rested on the seventh day. Then we say the blessing, Borei Pri Hagafen, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam, Borei Pri Hagafen, which is the blessing that we always make before drinking wine, before eating any food or drinking any, anything, we have a blessing. We have different blessings for different foods. So the blessing for wine is Borei Prihakafen. And then we make the Kiddush blessing. The Kiddush blessing begins, Baruch Ata Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, blessed are you God, our God, the King of the Universe, Asher Kiddushanu Mitzvotav, that sanctified us with His commandments, and chose us and gave us this Shabbat, holy Shabbat day. And we finish off with the words, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you God, Mekadesh HaShabbat, who made 
Shabbat holy, and then we sit down and we drink the cup of wine. You don't have to drink the entire cup. In fact, the Talmud says one should ideally leave over and not drink the whole thing. Um, but we should, you should drink at least most of the cup of wine. Um, there is a custom that everybody who hears the Kiddush drinks wine as well, and many um, have where the um, leader who um, made the blessing pours from the wine in his cup into everybody else's cups so that they all can um, drink from the wine that the blessing was made with. Um, so that's, uh, and so with that, we've made the Kiddush. After that, we move on, we wash our hands, and we have the challah, and we eat the rest of our meal. Um, we've done a class, I believe, on washing. Have we done a class on washing hands? No, then we will. What about the Tito? Sorry? I'm getting there. Okay. Okay, let's first talk about what we do for Havdalah. Non-wine drinkers, what do you do? So what do you do for... So, that, so that's Friday night. Shabbat morning, um, we do the same thing. Uh, we, we fill up after, after our prayers. We fill up a cup of wine. We read a paragraph from the Torah, from the Ten Commandments, where it tells us to remember the Shabbos. Um, generally, just the last line is read out loud. And we say the Hagafen, we drink it. And that is the entire Kiddush of the Shabbat morning. While Friday night everybody rises, Shabbat morning generally everybody, sit, we sit down for the Shabbat morning Kiddush. One doesn't have to stand up. It's, we're not, it's not really the mitzvah of declaring Shabbos. We just do it as kind of another, another blessing on the wine. For Havdalah, there's a little bit more to it. For Havdalah, in addition to wine, we have enough time for this, we also use a torch. Now a torch is a candle that has multiple wicks. A candle with multiple wicks. Generally braided together but you have a lot of, a candle with a lot of multiple wicks. At least two but multiple wicks. As well as we also use spices. And here's what we do for Abdallah. Wait till Shabbos is out. As we said after the sun has gone eight and a half degrees below the horizon or about 40 minutes after sundown. And again, we fill up our, we light the torch and we fill up our cup overflowing. Same thing. Everybody stands up and the leader, one person can do it for everyone. Everyone listens. Leader raises their cup. And he begins with reading a number of verses about asking God to um, save us, starting with the words, Hine Kel Yeshuati. Behold, God is my salvation. And a number of words, a number of verses from Scripture about how God saves us and God is always there for us. When he gets up to the, when we get up to the verse, La Yehudim Haita Ora which is a verse from the book from the book of Esther, that after Haman was um, after Haman was killed and Achashverosh, the king. Um, made Mordechai his visor, his leader, the leader of the country, of the Persian Empire. For the Jews, there was sason joy and happiness. Um, uh, sorry, there was light and uh, joy and happiness and um, glory. And so the, we had everything. So we read that verse as well. And so the custom is that everybody listening to the Havdalah all recite that verse together. Then the person who is leading it puts down the cup of wine and picks up spices. 
and makes a blessing on spices. Just as every time before we eat, we have to make a blessing, before we smell spices, which is also something enjoyable, we also have to make a blessing. There are different blessings for different types of spices, but the general generic blessing for spices is Borei Minei Besamim. Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, Borei Minei Besamim, blessed you God, um, who creates spices. So we thank God for spices, we smell the spices, and we give everybody else to smell the spices. Why do we smell spices after Shabbat? So we are told that on Shabbos we get an extra soul, an Shama Yeter. We get an extra soul, our soul gets a little bit more powerful on Shabbos. And um, for that reason, we're told we need to eat a little bit more on Shabbos than we do on a regular day, because we, ha- we need extra energy. We have extra soul on Shabbos. After Shabbos, that soul leaves us. That soul leaves us, it's kind of a disappointment. And so the spices are there to kind of re-energize us after our loss of that extra soul. And the truth is, Shabbos is a great, it's the highlight of the week. It's, the, it's a great time. It's a time of holiness, a time of rest, a time where we raise ourselves up a notch, not worry about all the stresses of the week. And now Shabbos is over. It's kind of a downer. We've got to go into our regular life. And so the spices kind of energize us a little bit, give us that energy, and that's why we, that's why we have spices. Then, yes, Tom? This may be the wrong time to ask, but I'll ask it. Generally, we allow on Hanukkah, on Shabbos, candles to burn all the way down. But I've noted that on Havdalah, you light the candle. And I'm going to get there. the service is over, you put the candle out. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Very good point. Very good point. On Shabbos, we cannot put out candles because we don't extinguish on Shabbos. Havdalah, uh, sorry, um, Hanukkah, you are allowed to extinguish the candles. Um, you, you're allowed to extinguish it. They have to burn for a half hour after dark. But after that, you are allowed to extinguish the candles. When I was in yeshiva in school, one of the big problems that the schools face is that everybody lights Hanukkah candles. And um, it's a hazard. It's a real hazard because when you have hundreds of kids lighting Hanukkah candles, it becomes a real hazard. And so, um, and so they would have half hour after dark they would have the janitor go around and put out all the candles. And um, kids would protest, but you don't need the, they don't need to continue burning. Um, so, so, yeah, you, you, you are allowed to put those out. So, but I'll tell you soon about the Havdalah candle. So, <coughs> excuse me. So then we um, make a blessing on this torch, on this fire. Why do we make a blessing on the fire? So, what, so why do we make a blessing on fire? So we are told that there's a few reasons given, but the Midrash tells us that when God first created the world, there was no dark. There was no dark. It continued being light. There was a light, not sunlight, that continued to shine. When Adam sinned from the, and ate from the tree, um, which was on the day that he was created, on Friday, according to the Midrash, he um, got that light fell away. That light that God had created at the beginning on the first day of creation disappeared. It was still light outside from the sun. Then Shabbos came. When Shabbos came, God brought a special light. Because it was Shabbos. And Adam was able to see with that light. Then the next day, the sun, there was Shabbos. Then after Shabbos, the light, the light of Shabbos disappeared. The sun had set. 
and it suddenly was dark. Adam didn't know what to do. So Adam picked up two stones, banged them against each other, and he found a spark. He was able to light a twig with the spark. He was able to create the first fire. So before the, because the first fire was made by Adam after Shabbos, therefore we thank God for fire. We have a blessing thanking God for fire right after Shabbos. That's one reason given for um, why we celebrate, um, uh, why we, sell, uh, why we um, light fire. The other reason is because it's forbidden to light fire after Shabbos, uh, on Shabbos itself, we're forbidden from lighting fire. We therefore light fire before Shabbos, the Shabbos candles, and then we light fire after Shabbos, showing that on Shabbos itself we were not able to light fire. Light multiple wicks. So, sorry? Multiple wicks. I didn't see a re- I don't know why we use multiple wicks. Um, I guess it's supposed to be kind of a strong fire that doesn't go out easily, and torches don't go out easily when you have multiple wicks. So... So then we make a blessing on the fire, and then our custom is we then put our fingernails to the fire, and we look at our fingernails in front of the fire. Why do we do that? So firstly, the Talmud says that when you make a blessing on fire, you have to have some, you're thanking God for fire, you have to have some sort of benefit. So if you check your nails and see how dirty they are before the fire, then at least you benefited from the fire. There's other reasons given, though, why particularly... Th- there's others, other reasons given why particularly the nails. One reason given is because nails grow, and we want this week to be a week of growth. Nails are always growing. That's why you've got to keep cutting it uh, once a week once, uh, or so. You've got to keep cutting your nails. They keep growing. Um, they never stop growing. It's like you're here. And so, therefore, you've got, you have to keep cutting your nails, so we want our week to be a week of growth. Another reason given is that when Adam was first created, Adam had... A nail-like covering all over his entire body. This is what the Midrash says. And a nail-like covering all over his entire body. So he was protected. And then after Adam sinned by eating from the fruit, Adam lost Adam and Eve after they sinned. They lost their nail-like covering. And it only remained on their fingers and their toes. And so when Adam saw the fire, he looked at his fingers and toes, and he saw that that was the, his skin. He, now he had regular skin, and all he had left was his nails. The third reason given why we look at our nails um, before the end, uh, uh, when we look at the fire, third reason given is, uh, and this is according to Kabbalah, according to Kabbalah, nails signify klipa. Nails signify the negative forces within us. And um, that's why we constantly have to cut our nails um, because it's cutting down, mowing, so to speak, the negative parts, keep, keeping our negative side in check um, by cutting our nails. And that's why, according to Kabbalah, one must be careful when cutting nails to always um, throw out the nails, make sure that it doesn't end up anywhere um, for people to step on or go on. Um, nails should always be destroyed. Um, and so uh, for those reasons, we look at And so... Um, Shabbat is a time, uh, Shabbat has ended, we now go to our battles with evil over the week, and therefore we look at our nails representing the negativity according to Kabbalah. So those are different reasons why we look at our nails. Um, So everyone looks at their nails, and then we raise the cup again, and now we make the blessing of Havdalah, thanking God for separating between the holy and the mundane, between holiness and the rest of the week. Then um, Then the person who made the blessing then drinks the cup, 
Again, we don't finish the entire wine, we drink some of it. And then our custom is that we put out, we take the candle of the Havdalah, right? And we put out the candle by pouring some of the wine in the cup over the candle of the Havdalah to bring blessing. And that's because the wine, the, the wine of the cup is wine of blessing. And we want that all of everything in life, including our light and everything, should go through the blessing of the um, wine of Havdalah. And for that reason, we also have another custom, which is after, um, after um, Havdalah is over, there's a um, widespread custom that people put their pinkies into the wine, um, put the pinkies into the wine, and then put that wine over their eyes. And um, the reason is because God's mitzvot are as clear to us, it says in Psalms, as um, are, uh, are, are clear and, bri- and bright up or light up our lives. And so if we put it over our eyes, and there's also a tradition that if you put it, the wine of Havdalah over your eyes, it will help you have good eyesight. Um, some in other places, some people have accustomed to take the wine of Havdalah um, and put it into their pockets and, um, as a, and it will bring to great wealth. Yes? So was it God, uh, God that got angry um, when Adam ate the apple? That yes. But well, we don't believe it was an apple, but yes, God was angry. Yeah. Yes. In fact, one of the reasons why we use wine for Kiddush and Havdalah is, according to one tradition, it wasn't an apple, but it was grapes. Um, and so if it was grapes, that's why we use wine for Kiddush and Havdalah. What if you have no wine? Sorry? They grow on a vine. A vine is a tree. We say, we say ha'its on grapes. They're trees. So what if you have no wine for Kiddush? I'm sorry, I'm over time. I'm almost... What if you have no wine for Kiddush? So Jewish law says if you have no wine for Kiddush, you could use whatever the main local alcoholic drink is. Whatever the main local alcoholic drink is, you could use that for Kiddush instead. In Western countries, that's generally thought to be beer. Beer is our main alcoholic drink in this country um, after wine. And so therefore, if you, have no, um, if you have no wine, you can drink beer. It is not ideal. It is only if you really cannot get any wine. Um, for the day morning Kiddush, because it's not really a Kiddush, it's just something that was added later, uh, we're much more lenient. In um, Europe, where wine was very, very expensive, um, and they only want to used it for a minimum, um, they would use um, other alcoholic beverages on Shabbos morning. Uh, most in Eastern Europe, they would use vodka on Shabbos morning, drink a cup of vodka, and of course that got the rest of their Shabbos meal going. Um, <laughs> and what about Fahabdallah? If you have no Fahabdallah, also you can use beer if there is no wine. No, but one should ideally only drink wine. Now, what if you have no wine whatsoever, um, you have no alcoholic beverage or um, is available, so you can use, you can for Kiddush, you can use challah. You can wash your hands for challah, and then you can make the Kiddush on the challah and then say hamotzi. So you can do that, it's not ideal, but if you have no wine, you can do that as well. So generally wine was always alcoholic beverages. About 150 years ago, um, I think it was Welsh originally came up with, um, with this concept that the grapes were always used to make wine. And everyone knew if you left grapes, you made, left grape juice for long enough, it fermented and turned to wine. They came up with this brilliant idea. If you pasteurize or boil the grape juice straight away before it begins fermenting, you kill all the yeasts. 
And if you then seal it straight away before any yeast gets in, you're able to, it will never ferment. It will essentially become grape juice. So it was a great thing. It was a kind of juice that we didn't have before. Grape juice, and it became very popular. And so the question is, can you use grape juice for the Kiddush as well? So this is somewhat debated um, in halacha, in um, because, of course, grape juice is not a prestigious drink in the same way wine is, although it still has, it comes from grapes just like wine. Um, some scholars thought you could, some thought you could not. Um, generally, if you could have wine, then better to use wine. However, those who do not use wine, I would definitely encourage you to use grape juice instead. And in fact, um, in the last 150 years, many, many Jewish Jewish families have begun to use grape juice um, for either they were not able to drink wine um, uh, for whatever reason um, and or didn't want to drink wine and so we've used um, we've definitely used grape juice instead so if you do not have wine definitely grape juice can and should be used so Kiddush and Havdalah are both at the very marking the opening of Shabbos and marking the very end of Shabbos so we mark Shabbos with Kiddush and Havdalah. And it's really a very important thing. We've spoken before here about the importance of Shabbos. And I mentioned at the beginning that it's the only ritual in Judaism mentioned in the Ten Commandments. And it's considered the most important ritual command in Judaism. But it's really something very powerful. While Shabbos has 39 don'ts, all the things we're not allowed to do on Shabbos. There's the do's of Shabbos, what we're supposed to do. And the most important part of Shabbos is to separate Shabbos. Make it different. With Kiddush, we make it different. We say, now we're starting a holy moment. Get rid of everything that we've had previously. Get rid of it. Forget the entire week. Forget all of those emails. Forget all the stresses at work. Forget all of the other or all of the other problems or all the other stresses that I might have. Don't worry about that all. Now it's Shabbos. Now I take a step back. Now I focus on myself, on my family, on my spirituality, on um, God, on Judaism, on Torah, on prayer. We focus on better things. Forget about everything else. So Kiddush, God said, make this declaration every week. Make this moment where you begin Shabbos, separate yourself from the rest of the mundane week. And then Havdal is essentially the same thing. Then having done that, having had 24 hours plus to rejuvenate, to energize yourself, to be ready to have um, reconnected spiritually, reconnected to God, reconnected to your family, reconnected to yourself, now you have... um, now you've got to get ready to go back into regular life. So now Shabbos is ended, finish with Havdalah, and now you are ready to restart, go back into regular life. So let me make a suggestion. Um, keeping Shabbos is, as I mentioned, the central mitzvah, but it's a very difficult one. Um, it's a very difficult one. It really requires a lifestyle change, and I would encourage everybody to do as best as they can, in whatever way they can, to add in keeping Shabbos. But the don'ts are hard. The do's are somewhat easy. And I would suggest those who haven't yet done it before or who don't do it every week to start making Kiddush every week. It's very easy to do. Um, the wording of the Kiddush is found in the Siddur. Um, you also, it's also, um, you can 
Google it, you can find it in English easily, or the Hebrew words in English lettering um, for you to be able to say it's very easy to get kosher wine or kosher grape juice. They sell kosher wine in Trader Joe's. Um, they sell kosher grape juice in every store. It's very easy to get. It's a very easy thing to do. And I would encourage you, begin your Shabbos, um, declare this day as separate, as holy with Kiddush. For those who are making Kiddush already, um, if you haven't been making, doing Havdalah already, I would suggest you to do Havdalah as well. Mark the end of your Shabbos. It's a very powerful thing. Separate. Separate this day. Make it a special day. Before, the, before we came around, before God in this week's reading told Moshe to tell the people that on the seventh day they're not going to go out and collect mana, nobody ever heard of a seven-day work week, a seven-day week. Nobody ever heard of rest. There was no such thing. They just worked, kept going. There was no rest. God told us you need a rest. You need to take a break. But not just a break where you're going to go watch football. Right? Not just a break where... I'm sorry, I'm competing with that. Yeah, I know. So, not just a break where you're going to go... Um, where you're, not just a break where you're going to sit in front of the television, but a break where you reconnect spiritually, connect with your family, sit around the table together, have dinner together, um, connect spiritually, come to shul, um, connect um, through study... A day of Shabbos, a holy day, a day of holiness. And so Kiddush is really, and Havdalah, really the ability to begin and end that day of holiness. So I encourage you all to um, try it. If you haven't done it yourself yet, or if you're not doing it regularly, I encourage you all to start it. Um, we have Kiddush, if you like a nice Kiddush cup, we sell them in the store. We sell nice Kiddush cups. We also sell Havdalah sets and Havdalah candles um, in the store as well. And I would encourage you all to do so. So... Um, thank you all for joining us. Next week, thank you, Eric, for sponsoring. Next week, our subject is going to be the 13 principles of Jewish faith. So if you want to know what Jews have to believe, that's going to be next week. Again, I invite you let me finish this. I invite you to call Again, I invite you to call to invite all your friends, bring them along. Let's continue trying to grow um, this as well. Um, yes, Pamela. One second. We, we, we have... So, as you recall last week, as we continue. Why always does this? Why is alcoholic beverage so important for Kiddush? Why alcohol? Well, Kiddush, wine because it's that important, because it's a very important thing. Why alcohol? On March 24th, our subject is Jews and alcohol. Um, I think the benches are right there. Hold on a second. Here, let's pass these around.